This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, well, you were here a week ago. We got to talking about the trajectory of faith, and I, I tell you, I'm, and I, I, just, I couldn't wait to get in here tonight. I had so much stuff stirred up on the inside of me on this, but we started last week about Joseph, and I'm going to keep hitting different areas the next few weeks, but we got to a place last week that we talked about when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers, he could very easily had unforgiveness and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to forgive them. So we ended last week, and I said, a, a daily discipline to forgive. A daily discipline to forgive. Now, the reason it must be a daily discipline, because if I don't, every little thing in my life starts out as a seed or a little root. And if I'll learn to get into the habit of forgiving on a daily basis... I never allow that root of unforgiveness to get rooted in me. And when I talk about to forgive, listen guys, forgiveness is not about a feeling. It's about a will or a choice. And if you think there's going to be this great feeling come upon you, it's not going to happen. Now, to, to back up some of this tonight, I didn't get here last week. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And just uh, just one little brief thought here before we move on tonight in the area of unforgiveness. And many times I'll tell you, you've got to ask the Lord to grace me. Grace me, Lord, in this area. Lord, help me to forgive people just like you forgive me. Matthew 6, begin in verse 14. Now King Herod heard of him, or he heard of Jesus. For his name had become well known, and he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. Others said it's Elijah. Others said it is a prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard this, he said, This is John, whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Now, John the Baptist, or uh, Herod right here, he's convinced John the Baptist is raised from the dead. Keep reading. Why is so he so intent on this? For Herod himself had sent, and he laid hold of John, and he bound him in prison. For the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now, what's going on here, guys? This is better than any soap opera on TV. I tell you, this is amazing. He seduced Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and he convinced her to divorce Philip, and he would divorce his wife, and they got married. And so this is why he's so freaked out about this, because in verse 18 it says, Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Really? And so he's freaked out. Now watch what happens here. This is the part I want to get, because there's a bunch in here about unforgiveness. Then Herodias held it against him. The literal translation says there, she held a grudge against him. The word grudge there means to be entangled by, to be enmeshed by, To be subject to. And so our grudges, when we don't forgive other people, they literally hold us. They don't allow us to release the things that need to be released. And so listen to this. Listen to this. This will really help you. We are subject to the people we don't forgive 
through our own unforgiveness. In other words, it's like we imprison our hearts. Now, if you're waiting for somebody to tell you they're sorry before you forgive them, there's probably a good chance that's never going to happen, okay? And if you're going to tell them, or you're going up to them and tell them, I forgive you for, for what you did, you know what a lot of them would do? They'd look at you and say, I didn't do nothing to you. What are you talking about? And so again, when I see forgiveness in the Bible, it's a choice. It's something that happens in my heart. But if I don't learn to forgive, it's literally a face stopper. That's Mark 11, 25 and 26. And it will literally keep you in a pit. So if you feel like times, man, you're just in this wall over and over again, check your heart, okay? And that's what happens with the daily inventory or daily discipline of forgiveness. Now, Go back with me to, to Genesis chapter 37. This is where we began last week. Genesis 37. Now, what I like about this, I'm going to highlight stuff through this passage every week. And oh my, this thing may take us the rest of the year. And I'm serious. I really am. But this is how long this could be. So we know what happens that Joseph was a little prideful, arrogant 17-year-old. And he thought it was his duty to tell his brothers that one day they would bow. And so they were so upset with him, they threw him into a pit. So we pick up Genesis 35, or 37, verse 25. And so his brothers, they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, myrrh, and on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers... What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Now, the real reason he's saying this is he didn't want to be eaten up with guilt for killing his brother. So he's saying, we don't want to do that, fellas. Keep reading. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brothers listened. Now, it wasn't right for them to sell them, but the biggest thing is they said, well, at least we're going to be innocent of not murdering him. So when they looked at the Ishmaelites, you know what they were saying? You boys do our dirty work for us. We don't want to do it, but we'll sure let you do it. And you're talking about hard-hearted to sit there and watch this with your own brother. So verse 80 and 28, then the Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up, they lifted him up out of the pit and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and they took Joseph to Egypt. And so I, one side of me could say, well, things are looking up for Joseph a little bit. And you say, how can that be? Well, at least he's not going to die in that stinking pit. But now, as a 17-year-old, he has shackles on him, he has a neck iron on him, and he's going to get to go on a 30-mile journey across this desert to who knows where in his eyes. And remember this with Joseph here. He was a pampered 17-year-old. So his world is fixing to change crazy. And his daddy's not there anymore. So now he's in a predicament in his life. Who are you going to trust? Who will you trust when life really, really, really gets difficult. Now to pick back up in this where this passage goes, go to Genesis 39. Genesis 39, verse 1. 
Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh. Now, Potiphar, guys, he would be like a a five-star general. He had a lot of influence, and the Pharaoh here would be like the president. And so he was the captain of the guard. An Egyptian bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, people can help us, but they can't heal us. And people, when they come into our life, they can lift us, but they can't carry us. Only God can do those things. But what happens many times in our life, and if we're not careful, it becomes this same cycle that I keep looking to people. If I could just be around this person, if I could just have this person in my life, this or this or this. Anytime I look to people to fulfill what only Father God can do, I'm going to get in trouble. And so are you. And so again, I'm not saying we're ugly to people, but look to God. Look to Him. So we pick up back in chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, the wording there is incredible. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. But he's still a slave. And so when I read that right there, for the Lord to be with him, and for him to be a successful man, his heart had to be right. There's something that had to take place in his life already that he began to trust Father God. Verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. His master saw it. He witnessed him. And that, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So uh, Potiphar, he begins to take notice of this little Hebrew boy. And he says, and everything or every assignment I give him prospers. Man, everything he does, it's prospering. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his, in his eyes, and he served him. Now, when I read the word favor here, it began to put a, man, it put a, it put a jump in me, okay? So what we're going to do the rest of the night, because it said here, so Joseph found favor in his sight. What is all this about favor? What does favor mean, the favor of God? I want to take you through a couple scriptures here in the Old Testament first. Proverbs chapter 11. We'll go to Proverbs 11 then Proverbs 12 because it gives us a couple really good insights on the word favor. And I'm going to tell you right now, get a hold of this, okay? Get a hold of the favor of God, all right? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20. Those who are of a perverse heart are abomination to the Lord. But the blameless in their ways are his delight. Now, I got a hold of a version called the Tree of Life version. I highly recommend it for your daily reading. It is written by a bunch of Jewish rabbis, but it's incredible. But the Tree of Life version says, His favor is on those who are blameless in their ways. Does the word blameless mean perfect? No. It means they don't like to do evil. They don't take pleasure in doing it. So it said there, 
The favor of the Lord was on the blameless. Something happens when I live before God said, Lord, I don't want to sin. I don't want to do that. Verse 27. He who earnestly or diligently seeks good finds favor. So when I purpose in my heart, I, I want to do good, Lord. I want to seek good. It said right there that favor would be what would accompany it. Okay? Chapter 12, verse 2. A good man obtains favor from the Lord. What type of man? A good man. A man who's, who says, Lord, my heart wants to please you. And again, I'm not preaching perfect. I'm just saying a good man. A guy who says, and Lord, I want to live for you. So when you put all those together again, when we have a heart just to live for the Lord, it attracts favor. It attracts the favor of God. So I, I go through the Bible and I start following favor. And it says, Moses found the favor of God. Noah found the favor of God. David found the favor of God. We see right here, Joseph found the favor of God. A woman named Ruth found the favor of God. If you've never read the book of Ruth, read the book of Ruth. Here was a woman who was a Moabite who had nothing. And she loses her husband. He dies at a, a premature age. She moves back to Bethlehem. And as she gets there, the favor of God is on her so much that she ends up... Uh, Gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz. And it literally says that she found the favor of God through Boaz. And so something happens when we just start doing right. Now you want the right was in her life? She took care of her mother-in-law. She said, nothing will separate me and you but death. And so again, when I choose to do something good or godly, the favor of God is going to come upon you. Now, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And when I talk about favor, let me, let me give you a definition of favor as you're turning there. Favor means friendly. A disposition. Special advantages. Preferential treatment. Support. To oblige. And one translation literally talks about it, that doors are open for us that otherwise would be shut. So I begin to look at this, and, and I cross-reference all these, these verses on favor. So we go back and we study the Lord Jesus' life. For the first 30 years of Jesus' life, you don't hear very much about it. You hear a few things till he's 12, and then you don't really hear anything about him for the next 18 years. And so if we had to condense Jesus' first 30 years of his life into two verses, this is it. Luke 2, verses 51 and 52. Then he, Jesus, went down with his mother and father and he came to Nazareth. And he was subject or obedient to his mother and father. But his mother kept all these things in her heart and Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Now, what I begin to do with the word increase there, I looked at translations after translation. The word increase there means he began to mature. One translation says he grew. This tells me and you something right there, that with wisdom, which gives me an understanding of the things of God, I can grow in wisdom. 
You can grow in wisdom. In stature. And, and when I see the word stature here, it means to become where I attain the things of God more and more. But then it said that he grew in favor with God and with man. Jesus did. He grew in favor. So that tells me I can grow in favor. And so when I begin to think about favor, favor is a lot like electricity. That right now in this room, whether we realize it or not, we're surrounded by electricity. It's all over the place. But that electricity doesn't benefit me unless I hit a switch. And for me to hit a switch, I don't hit that switch by chance. I do it by choice. Now let me ask you something. How many, and there may be some of you, but how many of you in this room understand how electricity really works? If you do, raise your hand. Go ahead. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how it really works. I hate this stuff. We had a leak back here the other day, and man, I told our maintenance guy, I said, whatever you do, that, that plug better be disconnected, because if I get shocked, you're going to get shocked. I, I really don't know how it works, but I'm sure glad it does work. I mean, I'm one of those guys, if you said, is it 220? I'd say, ah, 220, 221, somewhere in there. Just kidding, all right? But again, the reason I say that is many of us in this room don't know how electricity works, but we still benefit off of it. Thank you. It's the same way with favor. I may not know precisely how it works, but I can tap into favor because he said he grew in the favor of God. And so even in Joseph's life, when I go back and look at that, I don't know that he really understood how the favor of God was working. But he knew it was working because it said that he found favor in his master's eyes. So I go back and I look at his life. How did that happen? He started doing good. He did good for Potiphar. The guy he worked for, he was a blessing to him. And because he blessed him, God showed him great favor and great preferential treatment. Same with me and you. He's going to do those things. Now, turn with me to the book of uh, Luke chapter 4. Just a couple verses or a couple pages over there. I want to show you an area in, in this. I'm going to try to get it somewhere tonight. As you're turning there, let, let me quote a verse for you. And I pray you get a hold of this one, okay? I mean, you got your Bible tonight. This, this is a keeper. Mark it. Psalm chapter 5, verse 19 says, He, the Lord, blesses his righteous, and his favor surrounds us like a shield. He blesses his righteous, and his favor surrounds us like a shield. The way we align ourselves with God's favor is I begin to expect it, I believe it, and I confess it. Now think about this right here with just what I said. When you get born again and you give your heart to Jesus, you don't do anything to earn it. You believe with the heart and you confess with the mouth. That's how I get born again, and that's exactly the same way the favor of God. 
You want to start aligning yourself with the favor of God? Begin to believe the favor of God and begin to confess it. Now, one of the reasons I highlight right here, Psalm 512. I would say probably for the last 10 years of my life, on a daily basis, not once, numerous times through the day, you'll hear me say that. I'll, I'll walk in here. And I'll begin to say, I thank you, Father God. You've blessed me. You're righteous. Your favor surrounds me like a shield. And it's not because I'm any better than anybody else. I'm just a child of God. And God wants to bless his children. Now, look here in Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. And I'm, I'm reading in the New King James here. But I'm going to go to another translation in just a second. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The New International Version says, to, be, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim. How do I proclaim it? I proclaim it with my mouth. The Amplified says, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. And so if I'm a child of God, God wants to favor me, just as he favored the Lord Jesus. And so when I begin to say out of my mouth, Psalm 512, he blesses his righteous and his favor surrounds me like a shield, all I'm doing is I'm agreeing with what Father God said he wanted to do. And so that becomes a prayer, a confession on a daily basis that i got to get over into my life and i got to start expecting the favor of God. And I don't mean in an ugly way. I mean just as a Christian. How many in here as parents or grandparents do you like to be good to your kids? I like to be good. I, I don't need my kids or my grandkids saying, I want you to do this or that. I just want to do it. I like to bless them. How much more will Father God do that for us? He wants to favor us. And so I begin to speak this. I begin to say this. I begin to expect this. And so I'm sitting here meditating on this today. And I thought, Father God, show me just areas in my life, in the natural daily activities of my life, how you favored me here recently. And so he started bringing just one right after another back to me. And so I begin to think, all right, so I'm out at Costco one day with Shelly. And, oh, my gosh, I'm drinking way too much tea. And, man, I needed to go to the bathroom. And so, man, I'm moving to the bathroom. And the manager and one of the workers is coming out of the bathroom. And they looked at me and said, sorry, buddy, it's closed. There's a lady in there cleaning it. And I looked and I said, that's not going to work. I'm telling you right now, I'm in bad shape. So I go around the corner, and the little girl looks at me, and I said, can I use that? And she said, would you just use the family one? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm transgender, does it? But no, I didn't say that. I thought it, but I did. I don't mean that ugly. I probably shouldn't have said that. Edit that on the tape, okay? If, if you don't edit that, this is, this is Matt Bullen, the associate pastor, talking here. So back to the story. So I go to the family one, and I yank on the door, and it's locked. And about that time, she peeks her little head around the corner and she looks at me and she says, is it locked? And I said, yeah. And she said, you know what? You go on in there. I'm going to wait for you. And I didn't ask her to do that. I thought, this is the favor of God. This is, now, that's a simple illustration. 
Me and Shelly are eating one night at a restaurant, and, and they were really, really busy, and the service wasn't bad. It was just a little slow. Out of the blue, the manager shows up, and he starts apologizing, and he says, Man, I'm so sorry this has happened, this has happened. He said, I'm going to take care of this, and I'm going to take care of that. And he said, you know what? I'm going to throw in desserts, too, for you for free. And I'm sitting there looking, I think, I didn't ask for none of that. But the favor of God did. Now, here's one of the best ones. Now, I love this. I love to tell this. I wish my wife was in here. The last 10 times that I've flown on an airplane... When I go up to TSA and, you know, you got to give them all your stuff and everything. (laughs) She hands them her stuff and they send her in and then they hand me back my stuff and they give me the free pass and they say, you don't have to take your shoes off. You don't have to do nothing. You just go through the express line. And so I'll walk by and I'll look at Shelly and she'll look at me like, you dog. And I say, it's the favor of God, dear. (laughs) So. See, yeah, see, I love to do that. I I mean, I get so blessed because of God. He really takes care of me. So I I think about that. Now, this is one of the better ones. If you've ever had to go to the motor vehicle department lately, I'm telling you, it's cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, I hate to go to those things. So we had to register this pickup. And, man, I'm fighting for days, and they keep telling me, you've got to get this registered. So one day last week, I came in here and prayed, and I said, okay, today's the day. I'm going. So I'm on the loop, and I'm going. And I said, Father God, you know what this does to me? I said, I really, really need your favor today. I need your favor. I will off the loop, and right as I'm pulling in there, this guy's backing out, just like they'd reserved a place. Stormy Swan. I will. I said, whoa, thank you, Lord. I walk into the building, and I look, and there's a line, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this isn't good. I start confessing. I'm telling you out of my mouth, I said, Lord, I need your favor. I need your favor. And if you think I'm kidding, if you're ever around me, you'll hear me say, I need your favor, Lord. I need the favor. So I walk up there and I get to the line and this guy's up there writing on the piece of paper and the clerk says to him, he said, hey, you need to step aside and go over there and do that. And he points at me and says, you come on up here. I'm going to get you right now. And I looked at some of the other people and I'm like, okay, <laughs> suckers. And I kept walking. I went up there. And so again, I've seen this happen over and over in my life. It's not because any better, and it's the same with him. So why am I telling you? As believers, I don't care where you work. Start believing the favor of God. God wants to favor you, no matter what you're doing. But part of that is you've got to tap into it. Oh, Lord, I welcome your favor. I welcome the favor of God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.